we have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, dojo family. Talk about family. I'm sitting here with one of my nearest and dearest friends, sisters, allies, teacher, woman I consider family, Rachel Pringle. We've been walking together for seven or eight years now, at least. And I'm actually staying in her home at the moment. And I just, I really feel Rachel and her husband, Johan, as my OG soul family and community tribe here in LA. The Some of the first individuals that I met when I moved here to California. And I have just witnessed you, Rachel, rise in your shine, rise in your service, rise in your leadership, rise in how you stand for the women in your life. You know, starting with starting with your sisters, you know, I really witnessed that now you you stand for the women in your life in the form of a multitude of clients as a tantrika. Uh, I don't know if you would call yourself this, but I I would a, a, a sexual awakening guide, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, a medicine woman in your own right, the medicine of sexuality, of sacred sexuality, and being willing to go to the territories that we deem no go zones. You know, I mm-hmm. want to go there today with you on the dojo. <laughs> podcast, right? Right to the root. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means. But I just, I feel so inspired by you and your leadership as a wild woman, the wild woman dance experience that you've created and just rewinding underneath the facilitation and the professional, you know, expression in the world, but just to who you be as a sister and the way that I've witnessed you stand relentlessly for both yourself to be the best sister you can for yourself through self-love, like ultimate. It sounds cliche at this point. Oh, self-love, self-love. I feel like you could have written the book on self-love, 
<laughs> and I really get and can see how that depth of anchoring that you've created for yourself and your own self-love practices since I've known you has translated to the way that you are able to love the women and men. But from my firsthand experience, the women around you and just really stand as the ultimate cheerleader, booster, champion, ally for, for the sisters in your life. And there's a lot to say in all of these categories, but first I'd love to invite your voice and hear a deeper dive around your why for being here today and what's inspiring you the most uh, to share with the dojo audience. Mm, thank you so much, my love, for that beautiful intro. It's such a an honor and pleasure to be here, to be of service in any way and every way that I can. And, you know, just inspired really by this like moment in time, it feels like a very special, interesting, intriguing moment of time where women are really at the forefront of um, this catalytic change that the world is going through. And it's exhilarating and exciting. And it looks all these different ways than I think we didn't think it was gonna look. And for me in this moment, what feels inspiring is like learning how to you know, what you express sexuality. And, and yes, that is a huge part. But for me, it really is sacred sensuality mm-hmm. and being in our senses and learning how to speak the language of our senses and to be in tune with our senses and the senses of our surroundings and the people and use all of that raw material to create moment to moment transformation mm-hmm. and to be in the energy of like, everything is okay. Everything is for us. Everything is here conspiring for our greatest awakening. And how do we surrender? in the most powerful and profound way and meet ourselves in that let go. I, I, I wrote a whole bunch of poetry this morning and like everything is all about surrender and letting go of these masks that we think we're supposed to be and who we think we're supposed to be in the world and coming into who we really are. And that can only be revealed from my perspective in a moment. Yeah. What would you say is the difference between sensuality and sexuality? And why do you feel more inclined towards using the language sacred sensual? Yeah. I, you know, it's, I love that question because obviously, I mean, I'm absolutely infatuated and obsessed with, with everything sexuality related. And to me, my whole experience and the way that I I associate to the world is through my senses. I am a sensual being. That's just like my make. And, you know, when people come to me to work with me, you know, it's, I'm not going to teach you about sexuality. I'm going to teach you about how to be with the sensory experience of the totality of the moment. And that will lead you to your sexuality. And that will lead you to ecstatic moments of eroticism and bliss and orgasmic bliss and, you know, your business and your relationships and all those things. But it's really about the sensory experience of you in the moment, right? Like how to meet a moment, how to understand when you're contracted, when you're expanded, how to use the contraction to open into expansion. And to me, that is essential experience. So it's like getting out of just being in our, in that one focused arena, but like using like and en- en- the energetic of of our senses, right? Like when, when we walk into a room, you know, we're, we're not walking into the room with our sexuality. We're walking into the room with our senses. Mm -hmm. And so, and then, then we can use our senses to dictate how we want to express our sexuality in that room. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh Uh Yeah. I feel that. 
I feel that deeply. It's a, it's an important distinction, you know? Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I, it stuck out to me that you named in there is to use a contraction to open into expansion. Yeah. Using a contraction to open into expansion and not, not that I think we can get that there is a blanketed formula, but perhaps we actually can get a little formulaic or just uh, get yeah. underneath that a little bit more. Cause I know I was sharing with you before we hit record, I woke up this morning, just out of the blue and such like feeling such deep contraction and such dense energy, you know? And for me, one ingredient in the equation I noticed was being able to notice where I was resisting, how I was feeling and the way I wanted mm-hmm. to escape and get out of it through whatever, reaching to my phone, getting lost in thought, whatever it was. And it wasn't until I just accepted how I was feeling. And I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I accept where I'm at today. I accept how I feel today. And then my internal dialogue could shift to, I'm here with you in this contraction. I know you want to figure out what it is or where it's coming from or how to get out of it. And right now you can't, and that's okay. And I'll be here Mm -hmm. for as long as you need, no matter what, for as long as it takes. And you can feel this, you know what I mean? Like the only way out is through and just being able to accept that the contraction is there the feelings that are present and open as those feelings and just be with them, no matter how uncomfortable they are for me has been a gateway to, Mm -hmm. to being in a contraction and finding that expansion. And I'm wondering for you, if there's anything in your own world that just feels like, okay, like for me, acceptance is one key. Are there any keys that support you specifically? Yeah, I think there's there's like there's two things in there that are so important because there is sort of like a formula that I like to work with if you can call it a formula, but like going again back to like the sensory experience, you know, to be really in tune with what our body is is guiding us towards. Like we can feel when a contraction happens, like, ooh, there's a tightness in my belly or heaviness in my chest, or maybe my jaw is tight, or I feel, you know, something is restricted, my breath, my voice, right? okay, where did that come from, right? Tracking that, where did that, like, what was the thought that created that? What was the conversation? What was the interaction, right? Like being able to see and it's, oh, oh, actually it started to develop when I read that email from that person that made me feel okay and sort of follow that. I like to, and I'll say the blanket on top of all of this is to have a curiosity at the forefront of everything that we do curiosity, or, or I like to say like even fascination, like to be fascinated by our own experience so that there is a state of observing or the witness. So there is a, a, an energy of removal. So we're not in the thick of it. We're just watching like, Ooh, interesting. Where did this contraction come from? Okay. So it came from this email and what am I picking up? Oh, there's this interaction that reminds me of this you know, perhaps an interaction I used to have with my mother or my father or my caregiver or whatever it is, or my ex-boyfriend or my best friend or, and then, oh, I'm feeling this sort of thing. So we can sort of go towards like, you know, the, the bunch of necklaces that are all tied together and just sort of like pick them up and look at them. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if you, if you have a couple of necklaces, if you try to pull them apart, what do they get? They get more tangled. We need to take like a wide bird's eye view to look at it, spread it around, kind of see, oh, this is coming from this place. And this is coming from this place. Okay. Let me open it wide. And 
then going into the awareness of what you said, that there are days and times where what we're experiencing is unexplainable and how can we be with that? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it's, I think it's, it's exactly what you said, acceptance and not trying to fix it, solve it and not letting it take you into a downward spiral. Right. And I think that that's a huge thing, you know, in my existence is like, are you upward spiraling or are you downward spiraling? Downward spiraling feels like quicksand. It feels like, and and you bring people into it. If you got people in your sphere, they're going to come down with you and it's not pretty. It doesn't feel good to anyone involved. And when we're in an upward spiral, it is curiosity. It's fascination. It's interesting. You know, this morning, similar to you, as we expressed before, like I was like, Ooh, okay. Something's here. And it was like, okay, let me do my normal tracking. See. And I'm like, Oh, I'm in a changing of the seasons. It's the solstice tomorrow. It's the end of the year. It's holiday season. Like this is a natural time for us to be having this cyclical feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. And instead of needing to solve it or make it mean something or or make it um, try to understand it. Can we just be with it? And can we make space for it? And can we actually, you know, like celebrate this part of us versus deeming it bad and ugly, right? Which brings us into like moving out of right and wrong and moving into just fluidity and prismatic energy, which is, this is just a gateway. When we're going into a contraction and then into expansion, like we never really know what part we're in because it's always moving right? But the human mind wants to understand it. I think that that's, you know, a beautiful thing and a dangerous thing when we, when we're too attached to it. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting dance, you know, especially when something comes in and it's hard to pin, where did it come in from? And there's lots of necklaces and lots of things going on plus layered on top of it, the season of winter, you know, and it's very interesting right now. I'm in Los Angeles. You're in Miami. It's sunny. It's, they they are not very seasonal places. Whereas last year at this time I was in Boulder, Colorado and it was Mm. like, wow, the first time I had been in a winter season in a long time, like since I grew up in St. Louis, besides that, I hadn't lived in a place that was seasonal. And there was something, I had this thought yesterday around the time, this energy, I started feeling it. And it's like, wow, there's something in my system in December and January and the deepest in the Western hemisphere, at least the deepest, darkest night, right? The longest night of the year at the solstice that occurs that you want to like cave and there's mm-hmm. something dying. And like you said, that's natural. And there's yeah. that quote I love that's like, you know, let the dead leaves drop. And yes. so you're the tree's not trying to figure out why the dead leaf is dropping and why why that leaf had to die. And thinking about all the stories about why the leaf had to go, that tree is focusing on bringing all of its resource and all of its energy and attention to the root. Yes. And so the aspens, when I go skiing on chairlifts and it's frozen over and there's snow, I'm like, those trees are alive. Yes. Those trees are resilient as fuck. They bring mm-hmm. all their life force energy right to that root, let all the dead leaves drop. And then that becomes this like unfuckwithable base and foundation that the refreshing energy of spring where then the vital nutrients, when they come from outside again, from the sun and rain, and now the tree can like bask in the vital nutrients coming from outside, but it knows 
It has yeah. that internal fortitude, that internal resource, that internal strength to survive the winter. So it's an yeah. internally resourced being that yeah. allows for the external resource to come in so that it can flourish and flower even more. Just like the external resource of our seasons of spring and summer when we have community and family and tribe and we're being supported. Yeah, I fully receive that. And it only supports yeah. me blossoming more. And it's really important during this season of winter that all of us are going through, whether we're in a seasonal location or not, that we utilize this time intentionally yeah. to let the dead leaves drop. And if it feels yeah. like the dead of winter and there's not so much external resourcing happening, this is the opportunity to build that fortitude inside, to build that strength inside, to get stronger in the gym of your own self-sourcing, to be able to be with the discomfort of, I don't know what this energy is, but like mm -hmm. I'm here with it. To and not I judge can, it. And not judge it. I'm here with mm -hmm. it and I can do it, you know? So this actually brings me right to the root, which okay. is an area that which is an area I'd really love to dig into with you. And I wonder if you would just be willing to share about the Root Revolution course that you and Angel created and where your original draw to doing root work came from and what that even means to you. Yeah, you know, it's and root work for those of you who are listening that we're specifically working with you know, all of the roots. So the anus and the perineum and not just working with our pussy, which is so incredible and something that we focus on, but the anus can be ignored and it can be also put into this like very shameful space. And I've had um, incredibly beautiful, uh, powerful, <laughs> extremely powerful experiences through um, anal pleasure. And it's very taboo. And I think that Angel and I really just had a beautiful conversation on our, on my day bed in Topanga one day, and and we we wanted to touch the, these edgier parts of ourselves, you know, because when we think about it in, internally, like it's the base of the spine, it's the root chakra, it's you know, it's where this the cerebral spinal fluid flows up from. It's our Kundalini, it's our Shakti, it's it's of endless fascination to me, especially because I've had very spiritual experiences spiritual slash sexual orgasmic experiences that come from a deeply surrendered state past sort of what we know as humans of what pleasure is supposed to look like from pornography or from movies or from books. It's just like we get together, we fuck, that's it. And, and we're missing all of this like ancient lineage traditions and you go into Taoism and like, you know, there's, there's so much around this area that is ignored and then not only ignored, shamed, or told is dirty and wrong and bad. And oftentimes I think we're, we're realizing that the things that are wrong and bad are often the like some of the most magical experiences, right? They just need to be brought into the light, right? It's like shadow work, you know, you know, yeah. it's like our, we get to look at exploring all parts of ourselves and specifically with pleasure. I mean, in, in the course, it was so incredible just to, to get out of a routine that we're in, right? Similar to what we're talking about before. It's like, we can sort of get into these routines specifically with pleasure or specifically with healing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna, instead of being endlessly curious and I like curiosity is at the forefront of my path because then I keep going towards 
the unknown spaces with excitement versus with fear. And the, the, the pleasure zones in that area are, are radical and sexual energy is so important for our healing. And whenever we're experiencing something really fearful, it gets trapped in our root, you know, from, from any sort of trauma, from a, a physical trauma, from any sort of abuse, from a car accident, from a physical accident, from an emotional accident, it gets locked in this root. And we're talking about, you know, the body keeps the score. This is something very prevalent in our community as teachers, as coaches. And yet this area is still not spoken about because it's really scary. It's very taboo. We can't talk about the anus. We can't talk about that. It's dirty. It's gross. It's bad. There's, there's so much shame around it. And so, you know, Angel and I, fellow Scorpios, we were just, we both have had incredible experiences and we just wanted to go deep into it. And the, the result was absolutely, utterly profound and is not, it, it's just the beginning for us. We're just scratching the surface of realizing, like, you know, I think that when people hear this, it's, of course, there is sexuality and sensuality connected to it, connected to it. And it's really about the amount of healing that was done in this space to be able mm-hmm. to touch that part of you that is that society is telling you is so wrong, gross, mm-hmm. disgusting, dirty. Mm-hmm. And and turns out is, is an access point to so much healing, so much power, so much self-reckoning, self-realization, self-actualization, and then on top of that extreme pleasure and, and, you know, in, in ways that like were mind blowing to both of us and all of us in the group. Wow. And and so are there any like beginner's guide to unlocking your relationship with the the root and the anus, you know, like I can feel in my system. I I very rarely, you and Angel have inspired me to be talking about it right now. So it's, it's uncommon for me in my life. And I'm a liberation artist. I love to go into the no-go zones. And this is one that it's like almost like been so in the shadow and so taboo that it hasn't even occurred to me. You know, we use it yeah. every day, multiple times a day sometimes, you know, and that feels good. And so it like, feels great. Yeah. And so it's really interesting that we just, we don't talk about it. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. this is like kind of like really kind of melting that surface layer of protection for anyone listening to yeah. really like open and get curious about this part of your body that is quite literally the root point of your mm-hmm. whole system, right? The root chakra, yeah. the space of safety, stability, foundation, everything yes. grows from this place. And so yeah. for those who are just now like even realizing like, wow, I really don't ever talk about that. Like what, what are some beginners and beginning ways to engage? I love it. I think I'll, I'm going to start real, real beginner because people can get nervous around this, which, which yeah. is totally normal. Um, it's just thinking about it. Yeah. It's just a, a addressing that area, bringing your awareness there, bringing your attention there and seeing what reveals itself really. And, and it's like, it's, 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 it's bigger and also more simple than we can realize because let's take our pussy, for example, our beautiful sacred yoni. We pee, we bleed. Those at times could also be seen as gross or disgusting. And periods were for so many years. Now we've seen that 
our period blood is so incredibly powerful. It's so healing. It has so many stem cells in it. So it's just realizing that there's programming in place. Mm -hmm. And so bringing our awareness to our own programming, right? To, to come face to face with extreme compassion and a gentle, tender nature of like, what is the programming or conditioning that I'm holding in that area? What are the thoughts that arise when I think about it? Are my first thoughts like, ew, that's disgusting or that's gross. Why do I have that thought? Where did it come from? Where did it stem from? Similar to the process that we came up before, like question our own beliefs, right? Like, where did this come from? Did this come from a past lover or parent or a movie, you know, because that's, that's placed a lot as well. You know, like in movies, they'll, they talk about anal, like in a really um, not so nice way. So it's like, where are we picking up these beliefs and where are we holding someone else's idea on our own body? Mm -hmm. That's the real conversation starter, right? Like just, I just like, let that land for us. Like, where are we holding? Where are we allowing someone else outside of us to make a decision about how we see our own body, mm-hmm. right? So once we get that, then we can sort of explore again with compassion and with tenderness, like what does it feel like to get reacquainted to that area, mm-hmm. right? To just to bring love to that area the same way that you would bring love to your arms and your breasts, mm-hmm. right? And your breast massage has become such a huge phenomena in our industry, you know, for a reason, our whole body is incredibly intelligent and orgasmic. It is not just, you know, the air, it's all your, your nostrils, your earlobes. So especially when an area is holding that much quote unquote, like negativity or shadow or, um, yeah, taboo. It's very likely hiding something really fucking amazing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> the same way that the, that the the yoni was with the with the, the sacredness of blood. So, <clears throat> I would say for for those who are wanting to step in, that is the f- the first step. And then the second step is really just like bringing her into your awareness. Like there, there are exercises that we do that just get you accustomed to that area. And it's not about anything. Like the exercises that we do is like same with Kegels, right? Why do you exercise this? Not just to, to like, you know, make the muscle of your yoni strong or your pussy strong. It's to bring awareness to your power center, which is at the base of your spine for all of us for men, women, people, whoever you are. So it's not like, it's not just for women. It's not just for men, it's for everyone. So bringing the awareness, right? Like using that muscle, becoming aware, because oftentimes same with the yoni, that area is numb or we have no sensation. We have no awareness there. So whenever we do perhaps want to approach anal play, even with ourselves, it can feel really scary. It can feel really tight because we don't have awareness there. Mm-hmm. Right. So having the gentleness, the compassion, the tenderness to explore it, you know, it's the same way that you do Kegels with your yoni, you can do Kegels with your anus. And that is just exercising your Shakti Kundalini energy, mm-hmm. reacquainting you to an ancient intelligence that is connected to something beyond what we can see and feel in our human body. Mm-hmm. So those two things are a start off. And Again, it seems simple. 
And we want it to be a little bit more complex, but often the, the most beautiful things are, are hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Oh, I hear that. Well said. Well said. <laughs> and I mean, I really feel your embodied integrity around this work, like the mm-hmm. shame free space that you're speaking from is so potent and so embodied and so clear. And so I'm wondering, you know, what has that journey been like for you to come from the shadow expression of sexuality? Like, what did that look like? The, you know, rewind the script and Rachel in her night, late teens, early 20s, you know, how did the, (laughs) how did the shadow shamey expression of sexuality look and how, what was the catalyst that you would consider to be a major catalyst for your awakening process or your sexual awakening that Mm -hmm. started to lead to the healing of the shame stories within yourself for anyone Mm -hmm. listening. I'm sure. I mean, I can feel my own layers of shame still held around sexuality and just owning it and rocking it and Mm -hmm the way that gets reflected through family members. And like, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like, wow, like to really own it. And I see a lot of what you post on socials is so sensual and fully Mm -hmm. sexually expressed. And like this, like really erotic, you wrote a book of erotic poetry. There's like a real eroticism that your parents were reading. Right. So like there's mom helped me edit it. (laughs) Your mom helped you edit, right? Like that's so amazing to have that kind of support and relationship with your parents. Mm -hmm. And so what has that journey looked like for you? So like rewind it back and kind yeah. of bless the arc. You know, it's, it's interesting because there is, there's so much yes in that because yes, I'm, I'm so blessed with two incredible parents that are, were very, um, they created such a liberated and free space for me to, to be born into. And the, you know, shadow aspect of that for me, how it showed up was, I think a projection onto me because I was a, I was a sensual from the get-go, this is just my code, part of who I am and who I've always been. I've been a nudist since I, I can remember, you know, and I was celebrated in that, thankfully and luckily. And through that, when I got older, there was an understanding or awareness that I was supposed to know what I was doing sexually. Because I was sensual, because I was in, in my body, mm-hmm. that there was a lot of like, you know exactly what you're doing. And I didn't. I didn't for the majority of my life. And so that was a whole level of shame of like, you know, sort of feeling myself through it. And then there's like, you know, there's pornography and things. And then there's like the part of you that's like, oh, maybe that's what I'm, sh- I'm should be doing. But then there's a part of you that knows, but that doesn't feel right. But there's a part of you that likes it and you're confused. I would say that in general, m- most of us are confused around our sexuality. I was for, for many, many, many years. And when I think about the first times that I had experiences with anal play, it was when I was intoxicated, when I, you know, was, had been drinking or maybe experimenting with drugs and I would give myself permission to actually do the thing that I wanted. It was one, with one particular guy who was older than me and who we had a really beautiful, um, special connection. I'm so grateful for him. It was, that was the only person that I had that experience with before Johan, my husband. Yeah. But just seeing that all those times were in the dark, right? It, they were in, they were shadowed. There was still shame, and it wasn't until really getting with Johan that I started to unwind all of that because it, it is. I would say that's the blanket. 
there is this like illusion in, in our society that like, we're supposed to know exactly what we're doing and we don't. And, you know, in the older traditions, you were trained into these practices. Mm -hmm. Everyone was trained. The women were trained. The people were trained. The men were trained. I I want that to come back. That's what I'm here to help bring back because then we're not, we actually can eliminate that energy of shame because shame comes from like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if Am I supposed to like this? Ooh, I like this, but it seems wrong and bad, but no one's talking about it. So it must be, and there's all this energy. And then with Johan, he just, he's so open. He just outed it all and was like, this is something that I like. I want to experiment with. And I remember, you know, we're here and we might as well have this conversation. Remember the first time I had an (laughs) orgasm from anal and it was, it was an unbelievable experience of orgasmic pleasure that put me into a state of hysterical laughter hysterical uh-huh. like I cackled because uh-huh. it was such a, a deep you know and I, I'm saying this for people who have had that type of orgasmic experience where it moves you into such an emotional state that you go into hysterics you're just like what is happening to my body I didn't even know that this was possible and then that was like the entry point and then the added stuff of like, oh, when you're going down there, you know, sometimes there are things you are a little dirty and Johan didn't think anything of it. He was like, oh, okay, let's clean you up and then we'll go right back to it. Yeah. You know, it was, it, he destigmatized all of what I was holding. And I think that's the reason why, you know, and, and I'm going to be fully honest, like having this conversation does feel scary because, you know, I'm a, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I hope, you know, I hope this is okay. Right. And I want to talk about it because it, it is normal, right? It's like, it, it is okay. Our desires are okay. It doesn't mean everyone's going to want to do it, but can we normalize communicating about our desires? Mm. Right? That's what's coming through yes. for deeply. Can we normalize our desires? Because when we don't, that's when repression, suppression, and really a lot of ugly shit comes through instead of just like having safe spaces to talk about it and then realize that, oh my God, this, there's, there's a reason why men are having sex in their ass all the time. It's because it feels fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, like Ah. there's a reason the like the the divine made this center with like all these incredible pleasure points and neurons. And it's like incredibly awakening and a a very spiritual experience. Like, why can't we just talk about it? Yeah, we are. We are (laughs) talking about it. And I I really honor I, I see you in that. And I honor like this is I'm having fun talking about this. And and I really appreciate your willingness and courage to lead the way in that, you know, and like, I mean, it's one thing when it's like with our girlfriends and we're talking about it over yeah. you know, playing some cards, you know, cause we're grandma, yeah. you know, but, but, <laughs> but there's, you know, the talking about it publicly on a podcast where you don't know who's yeah. listening, but I'm like kind yeah. of excited that we don't know who's because the women and men listening, this is going to be a normalizing loving energetic that I feel like is deeply invitational. And, you know, one thing I will say is that in my experiences of 
anal pleasure in my life, it's always and only been with men that I've dated for long, you know, Mm -hmm. long periods of time where, where there's been, um, a field of love and trust present that's been built. 100%. Yeah. So that, that I think is its own healing energy where being with somebody who loves you and who is loving you in that way, no matter whether it's, you know, anal sex or, or through the Yoni or whatever it to be in a field of loving, I feel like is its own transmuter of shame, you know? And so I feel like a lot of, a lot of shame comes from sexual experiences where that field of love Yes. Was not present. And so I'm curious, like any thoughts around, you know, individuals who are calling that in and who want their own, you know, partnership that can actually hold that field of love because the field of love itself kind of repatterns old experiences of sexual engagements that we're trying to fill a void or or with mm-hmm. partners who couldn't hold the space for an emotional experience to happen or partners who, where the love wasn't present because the love for yourself wasn't present at the time, mm-hmm. not be okay. And can we, how do we, how do we repattern and heal that? Even if we mm. don't have a partner. Oh, this is such a, such a good question. And let's, let's preface everything with like, when it comes to this sort of play and engagement The most important thing is safety. Yeah. Like the most crucial thing is safety, safety and consent, right? Uh, In all of this. And I think specifically with exactly what you said, you know, experiences, sexual experiences in the past that have, you know, traumatized us deeply, right? Because we, we said yes too soon or, or, you know, we just felt like we had to because that was what was happening. And I would actually say that for, for those who are single, like it's a perfect foundation to just get to know this part of you. And for those of you who are in partnership, when it comes to playing with these areas, I would actually encourage you to do it on your own first before you invite it in with yeah. partnership, because it is very sensitive. And, you know, something that Angel and I work specifically with in that area is like, learning how to feel a yes and feel a no in your body first and foremost yeah when it comes to safety and then learning from that place how to express it right like we get to feel these 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 places on our own and sometimes you know when we're in partnership we can get swept up in the excitement and we don't actually slow down in the way that we could when we're on our own so there is great power to being on our own and being in these beautiful, sacred, safe pleasure practice arenas where we just get to explore and really be with those questions of, of tightness or numbness or, um, you know, trauma and to hold ourselves and not need to rush because oftentimes, no matter if you have the most incredible partner, which I do, and you have had, like we can still want to rush. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, can we just take the space for this to just be us and us and explore? And then when we do have a partner to be able to be in the practice of expressing our desires, right? Which goes back to exactly what we're saying. And that is an art form. And that's an art form that I wish that all of us can continuously learn and expand for ourselves. Because when we can feel it in our body, 
and, and the yes and no is moment to moment, right? Sometimes what was a yes yesterday is a no today. Yeah. And to be able to speak right to what we were saying in the beginning of the call, to learn the language of your body and to speak to it in the moment with yourself first and foremost, and then with your partner or dare I say partners, uh-huh. you know, in a, in a, who knows what's happening. That is a superpower. That's where we get to create the experiences that we yeah. really, really want. Cause we're all seeking peak experiences. That's why we're here. We want yeah. to feel aliveness. Um, you know, and, and oftentimes when we have those peak experiences and then we experience a trauma, we associate, you know, that thing with trauma versus no, it was perhaps going beyond your edge, go, you know, saying, you know, saying yes, when you weren't ready yet, like all of those things, I really believe we get, we get to retrain that for ourselves first alone. Yeah. And then in partnership. Totally. And this is, I mean, this is, first of all, again, we talked about acceptance earlier in the call and how we're all humans learning together. We're humans learning and growing. And we are in the category here with eroticism and sexuality and sensuality, very sensitive territory where a lot of violation energy has occurred and is Mm -hmm. still in the field. Um, where there's deep trauma, ancestral, you know, mm-hmm. and DNA that may not have even happened, you know, to you personally, but was something that is being carried through your mother's line. You know, and you're like, yeah. why do I feel scared? Why do I feel closed? Why yes. am I saying yes still when really this is a no? And there's, you know, there's the dovetailing as well of people pleasing patterns and the fear of hurting feelings. <sighs> Or um, creating a um, a rejection wound in some, yes. so we reject ourselves so that we don't reject somebody else. And it reminds me of an example. And first of all, I want to say that this is where the learning and growing and healing is happening, yes. right? So we don't repeat these same scenarios that created sexual trauma in the past. And I feel like in order to really change and shift and gain confidence, we have to be able to forgive ourselves and for that to be on a foundation of self-compassion and self-acceptance for the you that didn't have the tools before for the, you, all those scenes that you might remember in sexual scenarios that were not in full alignment that you participated in anyway, you know, and and I'm not, it it will look different for everybody, but to start the, reframing of the way that you look at yourself from past histories of sexual experiences where you didn't have the muscle or the clarity or the awareness or just the knowing the access to your own truth moment. And I feel like that can make it really scary to try these new things or, or we have these body memory, that somatic memory is like, no, 10 years ago when I had that one experience with that one person where I didn't say no, because I didn't have the tools to do that or even know that my no was a no. And that was yes. such a tactful, violating experience for me that I violated myself because I didn't even know how to own that, that now 10 years later, I'm just, I don't, my whole body's like, Look, just I'm still go. holding it, yeah. still holding that. And I just want to 
name, there was an experience that I had, which was really interesting to see. It was soon after um, Oren and I broke up and that was a four-year relationship. And it was within like a month and a half of the relationship ending. I went to this retreat and there were sensual experiences happening with men and women. And I was in the early part of the retreat. I was, I was partnered with a, uh, a man that the practice was one of the first practices where they were actually having us like touch one another, like our, our, like hand, like just the very PG, but this Mm -hmm. was my first sensual experience with a man after ending a nearly four year relationship with the only man I had been with for four years. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was going through heartbreak and I couldn't even, I didn't want to do this practice. Yeah. I didn't want this man that I'm just meeting right now to be stroking my hand and my wrist and my forearm and my shoulder and like my neck. And, and Mm -hmm. I, I felt this obligation. Yes. Felt this self-judgment, you know, come on Zahara, like the guy's touching your forearm. Like it's fine. Like just do it, just do it. And I was so contracted and so closed. And I really pushed myself into allowing this experience to happen and it was fully clothed. Like, you know, that's what the justifications in my mind were because yeah, I didn't yeah. want to hurt his feelings. I didn't want yeah. to feel rejected. And so I was rejecting myself and judging myself yes. to try to participate. And there's, there's an edge and there's a boundary. And for me, I was like, is this just an edge or is this a boundary? Because for me, there was nobody else's boundary, but I just got out. I was just going through a heartbreak and this was my first engagement. And listen, what happened that was a deep learning for me is afterwards, I felt this violated. I felt violated and it wasn't his fault. I didn't use my voice. And so there was this like really deep learning for me when I got to share, when we were integrating after how I was feeling. And for him, it was really hard to hear because that's coming into a space with a woman who is frozen and, and very confused and isn't, this was me in the scene who I couldn't access my clarity enough to use my voice. I was scared. I was confused. I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want to feel the feeling of hurting him. I was questioning my own boundary, if it was even a real boundary. And so then I learned after that, how important it is in any sensual, sexual, erotic experience no matter how light or PG you think it is to use your voice. And it ended up being very powerful for this man and I, as we integrated together, the experience for me to get to take ownership actually of where I didn't use my voice and then take that in. And the rest of the retreat for me was this major boundary dojo where I was just like left and right using my voice. (laughs) Yeah. I was like (laughs) all over the place. And it was to have that experience. I think I love this so much because this is, I think this is so like deeply, dramatically and drastically important to touch upon because this is like in, in our industry, right? Like in the climate of spirituality. And, and I believe this too. And I talk about this a lot in my work, right? Like resistance is our growth edge and we should go towards resistance. Now I will say this, when it comes to anything sexual and sensual, when you feel resistance, ooh, honey, you better listen to that. I, I would say that when it comes to anything sexual or 
and sensual or anything like meaning like, oh, I feel resistance about jumping off this building, right? Like anything like that, where it's life and death, like we got to listen to that. Now, if it's like you're going into a ritual and you feel resistance towards screaming, get over yourself and get in there and scream. Like that's your growth edge. You just feel uncomfortable because you don't want to look silly. But I would say to go even further to what you just expressed and so beautifully shared, because I think so many people can resonate with this because there is so much work like this going around now and it can be amazing and it can also be super traumatic. It's like, there's also the energy of like, oh, come on, you're not evolved enough. You could be more spiritual. You can open. And that is such fucking bullshit. And it is so dangerous. And when it comes to our sexuality, exactly as you said, and you, you gave such a beautiful example because it has nothing to do with like, you were fully clothed. It might've not been too much, but in, in that moment, it was too much for you. And yeah. can we like, and it brings us back sort of full circle to everything that we've been speaking about. Like, can we get over this idea of how we are supposed to be and instead surrender into how do I feel in the moment, Right. One day you could be a total full fuck yes. And then the next day, a no, and we need to honor that. Like it's, it's deeply important, especially when we're doing this work, because in those moments, like we can, we can deeply traumatize ourselves. Yeah. And I think the energy of like, yeah, violating ourselves or like, I'm not going to prosecute others so that I'm going to therefore prosecute myself. And like, we have a tendency to, to do that over and over again, especially when a lot of us have, you know, the ex people pleaser, which I know I certainly do. And like, we don't want to hurt people's feelings and we have to just recognize that it's like when we can learn, I think what it's bringing us to is this awareness of same way with the sexuality stuff. Like let us learn how to use our voice. Let us learn how to express ourselves like responsibly, consciously, like use conscious communication, use co-diversal communication, the simplicity of just saying, you know, I'm making up a story right now that this, that I'm a no, and I'm making up a story that it means I'm not evolved. And that I'm like, that I'm, you know, not spiritual or I'm not whatever the fucking bullshit stories that we make up when actually right now in this moment, I'm just a no. And I want you to know it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. This is just me and my boundary. And that can be so freeing for the person opposite maybe has had the exact same scenario in a different way and you're giving them permission to be able to say no like we need to give all of each other permission to just own our boundary and it not be this like this like you know sort of prude thing which can exist but but a really honorable thing boundaries are fucking sexy yeah, I I was actually really proud of myself once I got going in the momentum yeah. of my boundary dojo, but I had to have that moment of violating my own boundary yeah. in that moment just to see how not only does that hurt me, but it also hurts the person across from me because yeah. they think they're coming into a space where there's permission when yeah, really safety. I'm like, in a flurry of doubt and uncertainty and feeling closed. And it's really important to name that. And now to Mm. also into the point that you're bringing around like the uprising of tantric, sensual, you know, um, spaces where there are these invitational, um, containers, right. To explore the full spectrum of our sexuality. And I think that it's really important to go there. I've had some of my most liberating experiences in different forms and frames 
with these invitations to see like, where am I just like completely frozen and cold and, and in control? And that's an edge that wants to be released and dissolved, you know, mm-hmm. with a partner or with another sister or with myself mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. being witnessed mm-hmm. in that. And then where is there like a pressure here or a peer pressure or yes. a collective agreement that's this collective unconscious agreement that the most suddenly there's like the shift in the tide where it's like the more common was like this deeply devotional walk, right? And yeah. then there's the deeply devotional walk evolving into more of poly spaces. Yeah, and yeah. then that, I really believe that depending on how someone's wired, like there is a reality to have multiple partners and that is your devotion. And that's the truth for yeah, you. Yeah. But something has occurred in the field where there's created this like yes. pressure where it's like, but if you're not okay with multiple partners, or that doesn't feel like the truest North for you in a moment that it means somehow that you're inherent yes. in control or closed or and it's like this fine line of like yes. really everyone getting clear for yourself yes with yourself yes. and with your partner of yes. what what is true for you and what is true yes. for us one step at a time you know and I'm curious how that has looked for you and Johan you know your husband and yeah. wife and like does it go through seasons and what are you seeing yes. in relationship to like long term yeah. love like how do you navigate the different arenas of commitment monogamy multiple partners like what well, has that been like for you I, I think you're totally right when it comes to that I, I really feel that myself and and like I you know I don't like pressure pressure is so not sexy to me. I'm like, I am, I am allergic to pressure. <laughs> and, and, and I also like, I don't believe in rigidity, right? I think there was a little element of that that's sort of been, been popped into, um, you know, the community that's like, oh, if you don't want to have multiple partners or be open, that that means you're rigid and that means you're not evolved. And I think that that, I want to say that, you're not evolved enough is a really triggering for someone who's on any sort of spiritual path because we want to, we've chosen this path because we want to realize ourselves and, and actualize ourselves to, so to, to bump up against something that's like, well, you're not realizing yourself. You're not actualizing (laughs) yourself. It's like conscious, the conscious new age 20 turning into 2023 version of an insult instead of like, well, you're yes. bad or you're wrong or you're, 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 you're ugly. It's like, well, you're just not very evolved. Are you? <laughs> exactly. And we take yeah. it deeply personal. And, and I think to, to what you're asking is like, it is just it, like a moment to moment thing. And you get to decide as to what you said for everyone listening, like your life is your life. Don't live anyone else's life. Live your life. Be in the discovery of your life and let yourself change your mind. That's something that I say, you know, all the time when working with people is like, you are allowed to change your mind. You are not stuck to one way of being. You can decide one day, I want to have an experiment and be with someone else or with another person or with multiple other people. And then the next day you can change your mind. And then two years down the road, you can change your mind again. Like mm-hmm. we're supposed to be evolving. Like we are, you know, I 
did a podcast yesterday with Angel and it's like, we're evolutionary beings. Like that's what we're here to do is to constantly expand. And that doesn't mean that that expansion point means that we just take away more boundaries because that's what people make it mean. Oh, if I'm expanding, that just means that I'm, I'm free love. I can do whatever. I have no boundaries. That's the sort of that like the trap that we get into. And I actually believe that the more that we expand, the more clear we are with our desires, which does mean at times very, very clear boundaries. And Mm -hmm. I'll say in the more nitty gritty for Johan and I, it's like we have experimented with being open. We've had, you know, all sorts of different experiences. We've had really wonderful experiences. We've had really devastating, um, rupturous experiences. We've learned so much We've, it's created such deep intimacy and profound connection between us. And I love eroticism, but it doesn't look in the way that we think it looks. It's all different flavors. You can, you know, you can go to a gathering of people that, you know, people and they say, oh, like a, an erotic party or a play party. You have this image that everyone's there just like fucking each other. And that actually doesn't sound super interesting to me, you know? And it can just mean being in a space with with trusted people, with consent and safety, where you're exploring erotic energy. And erotic energy, it does not mean penetration. That is one tiny part of it. Erotic energy is the totality to explore your, your, you know, life force energy. And that is so much more interesting to me than sort of like a formulaic way to be evolved. Like, oh, you're evolved when you can allow your partner to fuck another person and you don't, you don't get triggered at all. I'm like, fuck that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like there are, and there are times when you will, and I've had experiences where I've witnessed Johan, you know, in deep intimacy and connection with another woman and felt incredible conversion. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. And mm-hmm. it's also rare. Yeah. Most of the women that he was engaging with before, I did not feel that with, right? Like, and that was where I got to learn a huge boundary because the story that I carried was I need to be okay with this. I'm not evolved enough if I'm not okay with this. And what I realized was, you know, not, I'm not blanketing this, but a few women that he played with in the beginning, they, you know, they were not clean energy. They were trying to get in between us in our relationship. They weren't honest, you know? And when you're playing in these spaces of eroticism, like I said before, it's gotta feel safe. There's got to be so much trust and so much integrity or you are actually missing the point of getting in it because when it is with integrity and with safety and with consent, then it is fucking mind blowing. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. That feels clear. It's like perhaps the most evolved way is to be allied to your deepest listening and actually honor the boundary, right? Like it's ironic because when you were in the, what I heard you say, when you were in the idea that I'm not evolved enough, so I'm not going to hold this boundary. What yeah. you found out later was, and thank you because what, how helpful it is to learn from your walk and potentially not yes. have to go there. Right. I mean, who knows surrendered if, if we, anyone listening or myself ever did, but truly like that's a deep learning to really tune yeah. into where you didn't listen to yourself and set a boundary because of whatever ideas you had, had been imprinted around what being evolved looked like to be cool and okay. And in trust with whatever's happening there when really every alarm in your oracular vision is saying, 
uh-uh, no, like yeah. actually a no to this. And then when you said that's evolved, that's the evolution. And I will say to even piggyback on that an even deeper layer, what I'm just hearing, what you brought forward, which is so perfect, which is the part of me that also wanted to have these experiences. Yeah. Because I, I do desire to, to in the right circumstance, yeah, with, with all the, the right ingredients, mm-hmm. with all the integrity, like I said, it's mind blowing. And so the part of me that was like, well, I want this, but I knew it didn't feel right. Yeah. And that's where it, that's where we're like playing on that knife's edge. And that's why it takes all of our awareness and refinement. And like you said, like being in our voice and being like, not like this. And that can be difficult because at times, you know, it's like, you can feel on both ends, like it's never going to happen. Or it's just, are we waiting for the alignment when it does happen and when it feels really good? And like, I remember Johan and I finally having that experience and we were like, oh, this is how it's supposed to feel. Light bulbs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also just naming, like, this is your husband. Yeah. Right. This is, this is a man that put a ring on it. You know, like y'all have spent how many years together? It'll be 10 years in April. So 10 years of building all kinds of foundational trust, deep devotion that I imagine has been a contributor for the arrival in that moment of like, oh, that, right? So I think we talk a lot about and tend to get, I mean, I'm speaking from my own thoughts right now. So definitely not Mm -hmm. prescriptive, but I think I see in myself in, in a prior relationship, like getting ahead of myself on the idea that it's evolved and I would have to have the experience of introducing a third energy. And I'm like ahead of where we actually were yeah. in building the trust and stability and foundational rooting in the, in the union itself that I would actually need for any experience with the third energy to feel good to feel like I could relax into it. And you need to be relaxed and in trust to feel the pleasure. Otherwise your whole nervous system is in fight, flight, or freeze. And then there, that is not access to pleasure. And then even then for me personally, it would still be an experiment of whether like, do I, do I like this? Do I want, do I like this? Yeah. Was it novel over the course of a decade of being in relationship to have that experience, you know, and you get to probably not have a prescription. You don't know until it's there. And until it actually feels like a yes. And I really learned for myself not to get ahead of yes. where things really are and also not to be definitive because I made myself a little nutty in that relationship trying to figure out, I'm sure I talked to you, like what's the right way? Like yeah. how do you do devotion and allow for there to be freedom and for that to be enlivening, mm-hmm. but also still be in that depth of devotion? And like, is it correct to be in monogamy or is it, does, do we need to have an openness or will it die? Like I was in all of these questions, which ultimately when they were coming from that place, we're coming from a fear of losing the yeah. relationship if we didn't get it right. And the yeah. truth is that I've learned is I don't know. I don't know what it would look like and I don't know what it's supposed to look like. And I really believe that it's supposed to look like different based on the relationship itself. I know that I desire devotion and I'm more monogamously oriented and from a certain level of depth and devotion and deep trust that's been fortified over time and like really feels there. I could be on board with having an experience and like seeing how that feels and going there. 
And I don't think there's a prescription for that. And I, there and I is not, it's like, can we just, no. can we okay. That we're, we're all yeah. like, and just as we well, go. And, and I it think it's what you said a forever, or it might be, oh yeah, let's try. And then, and no, like you said, you can change your yeah. mind anytime. And like the thing that you said was like, is it what's correct? You know, and that's where we slip up. There's, there is no correct way. There is what is right for you in the moment. And like you said, there are seasons and like Johan and I have gone through seasons, 10 years, you know, it's like, we've gotten like, and you know, predominantly we love just being us too. And like, we're, you know, 10 years in sex just is getting better and better and better. We're like, we're, you know, we're creating universes over here (laughs) now. And now it's like, now we can play an experiment, but yes, there, there, there is no correct way. And don't let the ideals of people around you or, you know, a podcast that you hear or whatever sway you into doing something that you're not ready to do. And I think that brings us back to the other awareness, which is explore first on your own. Like what feels exciting for you? Get to know yourself First, get to you, know your body, your yes, your no. Explore all the different taboos. Then start exploring one by one, slowly, little by little, with your partner. Like talk about it. Be in the journey. Be in the expression. In the exploration together. Then you can actually make a a a, a choice that is grounded in your reality versus just an idea in the mind. You know, because that idea in the mind can get us actually in trouble. <laughs> totally agreed. Well said. What a beautiful <laughs> place to land this very yeah. sexy ship. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Wow. With full permission to be exactly where you are and to be in the discovery with yourself as the safest ally and with the partners as they arrive that are here to journey with you and in, in, in the integrity of the discovery right? Like Mm -hmm. sexual integrity, you know, and that can look different for everyone. So thank you for your transition, Rachel. And thank you for all that you've walked and lived through and learned through in order to develop the perspective and the awareness through true lived experience that you brought to this episode today. I'm so, 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 so grateful. And I can imagine there's many ways that those listening can weave with you and work with you and go deeper into any of these territories. So Mm. where can we find you? Yes. Thank you so much. What a epic conversation for all of you listening. You can find me at Positive Pringle on the Instagram, Positive Pringle, like the potato chip. That is my real last name. And you can find me at IamRachelPringle.com. I have lots of embodiment courses, central embodiment courses, where we go into this energetics with ourselves in the safety of our own container, which I deeply encourage. And then I also have Tantra of Life, which is all about relationship dynamics with Johan and I. So I think there the, all the tools that you could need are right there for y'all. <laughs> and yummy tools they are. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. This Thank was you so, so much, fun. my love. Uh-huh. Yeah. To all those of you listening, we deeply appreciate your receiving and your love. Thank you for being with us today. And I'm so excited to see you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, 
The best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys, so feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart, leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining, and I'll see you next time.